Good morning, and welcome to episode 48 of Effectively Wild, the Baseball Prospectus daily podcast in New York, New York. I am Ben Lindbergh, and in Long Beach, California, he is Sam Miller. It is our first show of the fall, and those crickets you hear are not long for this world. Uh, So this is casting kind of a a morbid pall over this whole episode. Is that what happens? Do they just die? I assumed they migrated. Hmm. I mean, I suppose I assume no they cricket. die. I, yeah. Crickets don't hibernate, I don't think. Do they migrate? I'm sure they migrate. I just don't. I mean, you're probably correct that these specific crickets are not long for this world because... You'd think they would have started migrating already. Uh, I wouldn't think to. that. Oh, Ben, you don't realize how hot it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I every, guess that's true. It is Every single day it is. So let's talk about the weather, and then um, we'll talk <laughs> about my fantasy team, and then we'll call it a night. Yeah, and the migratory habits of crickets. Crickets uh, live for about a month from egg to death. Oh, wow. So, so the crickets, these crickets that we were hearing on episode... We have, we have actually... <laughs> yes, a, we have this is a new generation. Multiple generations of crickets. This is a... Uh, <laughs> the crickets have passed on the story of uh, Bryce Harper first being hot and then struggling. It's like an oral history through their species. Oh, the circle of life in Sam Miller's garage. Uh, okay, so what do you want to talk about other than crickets? Um, the Dodgers. And I want to talk about a former Dodger, James Loney. Oh, okay. Why don't you go first? Okay. Um, so this is more of a, an off-season topic than a timely pennant race topic, but uh, I am interested in what is going to happen to James Loney this off-season. Um, every year there are some interesting free agent cases who play at a position where maybe there isn't a whole lot of talent available that winter, which seems to be the case uh, at first base this this offseason. And so the rumors or the news has already started uh, about James Loney and what will happen to him. So I read something uh, yesterday by Nick Cafardo of the Boston Globe, who said that the Red Sox are considering re-signing James Loney which of course could mean that they considered it and dismissed the idea, uh, but that he is receptive to coming back. And he said that Loney may draw attention elsewhere in a sparse first base market. uh, And he thinks the Rays might possibly be a destination for him. So Loney is a guy guy who was of course a top prospect. Uh, He was a Baseball America top 100 guy for four years running. And I don't know if he has any of that uh, top prospect aura remaining for anyone at this point. But, um, I mean, when, when Tom Werner, the, the Red Sox chairman, after they traded for him in the, uh, the big trade this uh, August, he said, it brings us a player in James Loney who was untouchable a couple of years ago. <laughs> Which, of course, you can say about many players. It's also a very liberal usage of the word uh, couple. <laughs> right, yes. So James Loney uh, is hitting 241, 267, 301 as a Red Sox. As a... I'm sure it's just transitioning into a new league. <laughs> Many pitchers. Uh, <laughs> except that he hit 254, 302, 344 for the Dodgers this year. And slightly worse than that. Uh, or slightly better than that, I guess, last year, but but not considerably better than yes, that, but not not considerably good. No, 
Uh, and so the first base market this this winter looks like Casey Kochman, who's basically loney but older. Uh, Carlos Pena, who looks about done. Uh, Lyle Overbay, who has been about done for a while now. Um, Isn't Lyle Overbay having a pretty good year? Uh, Look that up. Baseball reference. Um, and then there's Lance Berkman, who, after his latest surgery, it sounds like will either retire or be a DH somewhere. Uh, Carlos Lee, who is not going to excite anyone. And then I guess you could maybe call Mike Napoli a first baseman. Um, other than that, there's not a whole lot out there. Uh, as for Well, there's for, Mark Trumbo as well. Uh, yes. I mean, not as a free agent, but as a potentially available player. Overbay has hit 264, 333, 400 this year. So I take it back. Overbay-ish. Um, so Loney, at least, is younger than those other guys I named. And uh, because he's younger, is not as far removed from being considered a good player. Do you think that there will be interest in James Loney? Do you think the Red Sox will have any of it? Um, and would you care to predict a, a contract for James Loney at this point? A uh, few things. First of all, on June 23rd, Lyle Overbay was hitting 361, 440, 569, which um, shows you how often I look at <laughs> the internet. Um, once every three months. Uh, second of all, it makes me sad, heartbroken, in fact, that you did not list Russell Brannion in that list of first basemen. <laughs> and thirdly, uh, you actually stole my thunder because I was going to ask you once you started talking about James Loney why we are having this conversation about James Loney and not Casey Kochman. Uh-huh. Uh, because they are, uh, as you noted, uh, they are very, very, very similar. And I don't think anybody has uh, any illusions about Casey Kochman. Um, and at this point, I don't think anybody has any illusions about James Loney either. Well, I imagine. Because, go ahead. Before this season, I guess the Indians had an illusion about Casey Kochman, right? What are they paying him? A million and a half? Uh, three million. Goodness gracious! But not not so much what they're paying him as the role they envisioned for him, mm-hmm. starting first baseman. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, hang on. Uh, signed February third. Um, so, you know, kind of like. Oh look, he's still around, kind right. of a thing, right? Yes. Um, and, and so that's telling. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they of the Russell Brannion move the previous year, which was kind of identical. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, I imagine that James Loney gets a job next year. Um, starting job. Starting job. Um, and I haven't really looked at the first base market. I've looked at who's available, but not who needs a first baseman. Yeah, well, that's Could the thing that about... There's no one available. Maybe it's because everyone has a first baseman. Yeah, I think so. that's generally what happens. I mean, have we noticed a big... I mean, I know that the top first baseman this year tended to have down years, but has any has anybody written the trend piece about the disappearance of first baseman? I have almost written it several times. When have I was, you really? It's written for an article topic, but I have not written it. Um... I don't know. Maybe all the maybe 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 all the first basemen are becoming DHs at younger ages now, or something like that. Um, I'm trying to think of where he would start, um, and I don't know. 
I, I, I would guess not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> James Loney will start. James Loney will get the uh, the Casey Kochman deal, mm-hmm. and he will start, and he'll have like a like a ninety four OPS plus. <laughs> uh, also written about by Nick Cafardo of the Boston Globe, Mike Carp is starting to appear on a few teams' wish lists. <laughs> so, I don't know whether Nick Cafardo has a soft spot for first basemen who are having terrible years or, <laughs> or, what, it, or what it is, but uh, I'd rather have I'd definitely rather have Carp than Loney. Yeah, I guess I would too. Um, Mike Carp is hitting 216, 316, 346 in almost 200 plate appearances for Seattle, and hit 223, 286, 324 in another 150 plate appearances in Tacoma. Uh, are the A's are the A's by chance still sitting on like 14 quad A first baseman cuz this might be their I mean this might have been their plan all along. You know when I was a kid I had this idea that um, I was going to corner the market on Kevin Mitchell 1989 Tops cards, um, and this was like 1991 or 92, so there was no interest in Kevin Mitchell 1989 Tops cards. You know, you could get them from your friends for like nothing. You could just ask or steal them. And so I was going to go around all the card shops in the country, collect them before anybody noticed what was going on, and then I was going to somehow put out a press release saying, "Hey, where did all the 1989 Kevin Mitchell Tops cards go?" When people realized how rare they were. They would be worth like a million dollars, and then I would strike. Wow, you had such an entrepreneurial spirit. I got like seven or eight, so if anybody wants one. <laughs> you still have them? I'm selling them for 40 bucks. <laughs> well, Nick Cafardo reports that Kevin Mitchell is topping several teams' wish list. <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Mitchell, uh, he, I would rather have him than James Loney. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> uh, he is, Kevin Mitchell is... 50. Mm-hmm. So Roger Clemens' <laughs> age, maybe they will both make a comeback next year. Uh, okay, so James Loney, one year then, we're saying, starting job, and he will disappear yeah. whichever team signs him. Uh, yeah. Um, that, I mean, it's, it's hard to predict. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's All our right. prediction. That is our is are we have we resolved is this yes we we agree just, on this I'll just give him a Casey Kotchman contract I guess one year three million and he'll sign in February and he'll uh, let, be back. can I ask a, a better question yeah where will Casey Kotchman will, will Casey Kotchman get another deal uh, I would think he'd have to settle for some kind of spring training invite and hope for the best at this point um, but he's having he's having a better year than James Loney. Yeah, but... And he had a significantly better year in 2011 than James Loney, and he's a better defender than James Loney. So if you're punting the bat, you might as well at least get the, the glove. I guess that's true. He's he's only one year older. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he was, anyone he, was really buying his 2011, except maybe the Indians, and even they weren't really buying it. Um, I mean, he... Yeah, I don't know. I I guess he gets another job somewhere, but maybe he and James Looney drive up drive sort of bidding war. For... Or the opposite. They drive down. Yes. <laughs> bidding war. They... Then we'll undercut the other. They, um, yeah, well, I don't know. Looney was the uh, 19th overall pick in 2002, but Kochman was the 13th overall pick. So if you're just going by upside, <laughs> Kochman is 
<laughs> and Kotchman was also on the Baseball America Top 100 four years in a row. And I like what, for six. 11th or something? Yeah. Oh, sixth. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he was he was hot. He, oh, uh, yeah, you're right. Six. Um, I'm looking up uh, Loney real quick. Loney was four years in a row, but never higher than 34. Huh. So this is really weird. Why is it then? And, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, granted, this was many years ago, but I think that Kochman had the better single season of any of either of them. Well, I don't know, maybe not. But yeah, 2007 arguably was better than anything Loney ever did, and 2011 was arguably better than anything Loney ever did. So hmm. we just keep coming back to it's... the fact that a guy that I don't think anything of at all well, is nonetheless better than James Loney. 2007 uh, Lone, was, was Loney's sophomore year, and yeah, but he, 375 plate appearances. He hit 331, hmm. 381, 538. So that coming as early in his career as it did. He was 23 years old. Uh, I think maybe that has contributed to the, the idea that he is better than Casey Kochman. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, Kochman had, if we were only doing partial seasons, though, Kochman had a pretty huge 22-year-old season. I mean, not huge, 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 but uh, almost as good as Loney's, and he was only 22. So. <laughs> well, this has been riveting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone was, I mean, when it's late September, your thoughts turn to... Uh, Loney and Kochman. I'm changing my topic. My topic is Casey Kochman. <laughs> Too late. You already uh, called the Dodgers. Well, my I, I actually was going to, uh, a week ago, I was going to have a topic be, do the Dodgers already regret the big trade? And about four hours before we recorded, Grant Brisby wrote a story with the headline, do the Dodgers already regret the big trade? Oh, great. So I waited a while and uh, for a new twist. And so here's my new twist. Um uh, I want to know if you think the Dodgers want it too bad. If they are desperate, if they are a team on tilt, and if they are doing stupid things now for a extremely slim chance that they will get into a coin flip game. Um, the first of these perhaps irrational things being um, taking on uh, half a billion dollars or whatever in contracts that presumably they could have gotten a lot of in the offseason if they'd still desperately wanted Carl Crawford. Um, but more recently, most recently, um, and perhaps most significantly, is starting Clayton Kershaw tonight, uh, mm-hmm. last night, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, uh, Kershaw, of course, they, there was thoughts that he was going to be shut down for the season, that he was going to have to have surgery, that he was going to miss the start of next year. And with a 5% playoff odds, um, and that's 5% of the uh, being in the play-in game, they are already eliminated from the world. Um, the Dodgers let him pitch tonight. He was uh, optimistically, you might say, rusty. Mm-hmm. Uh, pessimistically, you might say, off. He walked a, a season-high five batters. He, um, uh, well... He also struck it, out five and allowed one run, but yes, he, he labored. Yeah, five, five hits. Yeah, anyway, um, so his, uh, his hip doctor said that he could pitch without... Uh, doing further damage, but I think that that probably is a red herring. Uh, you don't want a pitcher pitching in pain because that tends to lead to um, him making sort of allowances elsewhere in his body that can cause problems. And the Dodgers clearly did care about whether he was in pain. I'm going to quote, I believe it's the LA Times. Mattingly said, Ned Coletti spoke with Kershaw to be assured the pitcher was, quote, being 100% honest with us. He promised if he feels anything, he'll stop and not throw another pitch, said Mattingly. The last thing I want to be involved with is pitching Clayton Kershaw hurt. If I knew something that he shouldn't pitch, I couldn't sit here for that. Um, and I think that's um, 
uh, ver- uh, I mean, does anyone really believe that that <laughs> that if he says he's not in pain, that he's necessarily telling the truth? I mean, right. guys ruin their careers to pitch mm-hmm. in big games, and the idea that once he goes out to the mound and throws his first pitch, that he's going to raise his hand and say he's in pain becomes even less likely. So I don't know. I mean, I have a hard time. I'm not saying that Kershaw is in pain or was in pain tonight or is hurt, uh, but I I don't know that I would trust him. I don't know that this is the shot I would have taken um, uh, at this stage in the season. Um, I probably would have wanted to wait five more days, and you know if I needed Kershaw and he seemed okay in five days, maybe I would throw him out there. But this is a to me this seems like a team that is extremely desperate that perhaps has been. Um, uh, first was too confident in their ability to make the playoffs now is too confident in their ability to perform a miracle and i just wonder if you agree uh yeah generally i do i think uh there's probably a bigger payoff for the dodgers in making the playoffs than maybe for most teams um in that they went through the whole frank mccourt era and um i think the new ownership would uh would really, really like to separate themselves from that era and turn the page, so to speak, by making the playoffs. And it would be, I don't know if you could say it's a feel-good story when the Dodgers bring in hundreds of millions of dollars to make the playoffs. But if they did make the playoffs, uh, it would be sort of a healing of the the fan base thing. Um, And so, and of course just the, the extra revenue that you get from making the playoffs would come in handy when they are paying hundreds of millions of dollars to those players next year and beyond. Uh, so I can certainly see what the incentive is. Um, but you need to make the playoffs next year too. You know, they, mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to, they're almost certainly not going to make it this year. And if right. they do anything that jeopardizes next year, which you could argue that they have, um, but maybe you could argue that they haven't just in terms of taking on some of the contracts that they took on rather than trying to upgrade during the off season when there are more options, um, they might be putting that at risk. And certainly if Clayton Kershaw, um, I don't know, was favoring his hip and his head fell off or something like that, that would hurt their odds next year as well. Yeah, well, the I guess the flags went up with the uh, the Puig signing where they threw a ton of money at him and the evaluators who had seen him or who knew his reputation were shocked at the amount of money they had spent and at least seemed to think that they had spent much more than they had to. Um, and now it even looks like there really isn't a spot open for him, although he is still a ways away. They've kind of filled up the outfield for now. Uh, so that was kind of the first indication that maybe they were a little too committed to winning or, or willing to spend uh, inefficiently in service of winning. So, yes, I, I think uh, I think maybe they have been a little desperate and trying too hard. Um, but I, I guess I'm sympathetic seeing as where they are coming from and what they're trying to distance themselves from, but that probably doesn't justify making questionable decisions. Yeah, and we should, of course, put out a huge disclaimer that we have no idea what the conversations yes. with Kershaw and his trainers and doctors are, Kershaw and his team. We don't know anything at all about this situation, and uh, I certainly w- would... <laughs> not present 
ourselves as having the full story here or anything. It's just sort of a, a sense of, uh, you know, um, like kind of confusion watching this team a little bit and seeing how much they're putting into this year um, rather than uh, building. Rather than it, That's what I guess it seems like. It seems like they are um, not in a mode where they're trying to build a five-year dynasty. It really seems like they are uh, trying to... Uh, just win tonight's game and then worry about tomorrow later and maybe that's good maybe it's bad i don't know it's not yeah. the way that i normally like to see it no i guess not but if you're the dodgers and you have a ton of money uh and you have maybe a very large fan base that is waiting to support your team again um i can understand why you'd kind of want to skip the rebuilding process that a smaller mm-hmm. market team might have to endure maybe you can skip that um i don't know that they're going about that the best way but in theory, I can see why they could spend their way to contention more so than some other team. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. So several crickets have expired, no doubt, while we were talking about James Loney and Casey Kochman, which is not the way you want to go. Um, <laughs> but thank you for listening, and we will be back on Tuesday.